stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, today we're talking finances and cash flow, but kind of, but not really. I'm talking to Jocelyn Chong, who is an expert in that and helps people with that. But the conversation we've had today is just absolutely magnificent. And we're talking about her moving from Malaysia to Australia when she was 17 and how she was sort of uh, going to the world of commerce because that's what was expected and then how she through a series of events you know um, she moved out and started her own business but behind the scenes there's she she's she's optimistic she's resilient she's resourceful she's like well I just got to make it work um she has a vision and she just kept her eye on that vision and you know she talks about her vision being bigger than her fear and I reckon there are so many, so many learnings in today's episode and and things that we can apply to ourselves and really start questioning about what is our belief and is it real and, and where does this come from and can we, you know, move past the way we're feeling or our fears and stuff like that and really, really make a successful life for ourselves. We also talk about how we're, each of us is so unique And if we were to be authentic and put our authentic self truly out in this world and really switch our light on, um, what what a difference it would make to the world. So I know you're going to love this. So Jocelyn is a certified online business and life coach. She's the founder of Seed to Sequoia, which there's a great story in that as well. She's the podcast host of uh, Magnetic Abundance, and she's also got three books, Success Codes, Uncensored, Untamed, Unleashed, and also Prosperity Codes. She's just, uh, she's fantastic. I love this conversation. I'm just going to get straight into it. So here we go. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you so much, Harry, for having me in your podcast show. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. You, you're doing amazing things. And I just love that you're giving um, finance confidence, you know, particularly to women, women, women. You know, they're, they're often the one in the family that's not making the money or that they, they feel they're going to spend their money on the family and, you know, they, they, they're they not as inclined to, to make investments and make, you know, I was going to say smart financial choices, but that's not actually what I mean. It's just they feel different value system, you know, that they're obligated, they feel obligated to spend it on their family. So I love that you're, you know, really focusing on that. So, I don't know. Welcome. I'm just so glad to have you here. Thank you. I love all the comments that you made earlier. And it's so interesting that I want to expand one point. You know, women, we make so many decisions when we buy 
we influence the toilet paper quality, right? We go to Kohl's and there's a ton of milk selection and we're like, we know what type of milk to go to. But at certain level in the finance world, women retreat. Mm. We don't make that big investment. It's always the men that's running the IPO, the men that's doing the big shareholding, the men that's doing the big investment commercial property. And we need more women doing that. Yes. Right. <laughs> and the men balancing out and going choose which soya milk they want, almond milk they want, cashew nut milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a lot more balance. But you know what? If in the past we've let it be like that, but now there's a lot more women like you coming through saying, no, hang on a minute hang on a minute, you know, we need more women up there, you know, and the same within politics and everything. We need more women coming through that are going to sort of level level the playing field a little bit. So, you know, I love it. Now, you, um, you've moved to Australia, you're doing great stuff, but prior to that, like, you, you grew up in Malaysia. And so tell us about your childhood. Like, where did you learn this money, the money stuff? Yes. I was very privileged. I grew up in a business that my grandmother and my grandfather built. So I was sitting on his lap, my grandfather's lap, when he was like running the business because my mom and dad are working full time and I was the eldest grandchild. So my mom wanted my grandmother to look after and she wanted to because, you know, first grandchild. So I get that privilege. And I get to grow up in that environment where we've got all these inventories, we see them count money and there was cash money and we know where the vault is. And my grandfather taught me coins, how to purchase lollies. That was my first transaction and first ability to count. So down the road, we had so many other businesses, but there was a lolly store. <laughs> so he used to walk me down and I remembered like, you know, all right, if I have got 10 cents, I've got two sweets. And so that was my education around money, around transaction. And it was like maybe two years old. And then my paternal grandmother brought me notes I was upset with her because I didn't understand the power of notes then. So I threw it away and she had to convert them to a whole bag of coins for me. I was like, I wish I knew the power of notes now and then. But um, at that point in time, I knew coins only because that was the first introduction to money and money energy. So that was my earliest memory around finance. And then over the years, so watching them transact, you know, watching them going to stores to offload all the goods that we import overseas and then helping them count, you know, travel with them around, wow, this is what you buy, this is what you don't. And I remember my grandmother, she sat down with me one day. So we had all these goods and damaged goods sometimes coming from overseas. But she told me, she said, you know what, Jocelyn, you know, we don't sell those goods. We keep them away and we might donate them to charity because we want our clients to have the best one. Yeah. And I was like, that's customer service. That's like excellence. And there was no like, you know, company values that you write, but it was her role modeling of those values that taught me so much. So I used to just sit in front, you know, when they're doing their numbers and calculate money. I was like, oh, but nobody explained everything in detail, right? I was just watching. 
And that vision then birthed new visions for me. So that's how we all started. I love that story. And it's in it, you know, we often talk about what we learn in school, and often we don't apply half of what we learn in school. And I always say that our, our greatest learnings are when we travel, you know, when we live in the real world, and when we have to be resourceful, and when we have to be resilient, that's when our real learnings are. And when we're actually watching stuff happen in front of us, we're like, ah, oh, now I get it. You know, it makes so much more sense than on paper. So, and I think that that's another thing too, is that a lot of the time when finance is taught, you know, through through the the patriarchal system, it's all about account sheets and, you know, and everything else. And if, if, if you, your head's not that way inclined, it's very hard to follow it. But if there's someone showing you, you know, you just do this, you do that, you tend to be like, I can do that. I actually can manage that, you know. So I love that story. Absolutely love it. And I I reckon that's what um, childhood learning should be is, is get out in the real world and, and, and see what's going on and see what's – and I love what you're talking about, about um, the values, you know, because there's so many corporate – and I know you came from corporate and we'll get to that, you know, the, so many corporate um, – businesses have even a big thing up on the wall we value this we value that and they they stay they're trying to smack it into people's heads but they're never ever connecting the dots that maybe our staff isn't connected to our values and maybe our I think your values have to be um demonstrated do they have to they have to sit within people and they have to be demonstrated and they have to be part of who you are and and you're talking about that with your grandparents and I love, absolutely love that. Now, when did you, no, no, I know when you did, so I was going to ask you, but I'm just going to say you came to Australia at 17. Now, that's really still a kid, you know, coming to a country that's, and I know you speak, be speak English. I was going to say speak Australian. We kind of do have our own language, but it's still tough because it's a second language and it's, you're still a kid. You obviously got strong family ties. And what was that like for you and why did you do it? So I had this vision. Growing up, because I was the eldest grandchild, I didn't have many um, siblings to play with. And also because I was quite ill when I was much younger, I had asthma. So suffering from asthma, you don't play, you know, activities that can jolt the wheezing. So a lot of times I was placed in front of Disney movies all the cinderella everything to do with snow white and i'm like you know what one day i will live in a country that has got white people i grew up in a very multicultural background we've got indian we've got you know muslim we've got all the tribal people we just mix it's just a way of life we it was it was just normal it was you don't even think about it and we speak in one sentence we could connect a whole different language together it was just in the town. And so I had that vision that, you know what, one day I will go overseas and I want to leave overseas. The reason why I had a few visions like that was because number one, my grandparents worked so hard to send their kids overseas for education. So both sides of my mom and dad, they want their kids to be educated. They would slog, they would do multiple jobs in order to send their kids. They would save, they would never invest in you know clothes or anything nice for themselves so that they could send their kids overseas and so my uncles and aunties had my elder siblings and generation ahead of them save up 
to send them overseas. And so I follow suit that sort of uh, family culture and tradition. So it was natural. It was not, you don't question it because you think, um, you know, all the cousins, auntie, uncles do that. So it was natural. So you don't question your 17 that is too young. It's like, figure it out. There's no manual. They don't tell you what to do. Just figure it out. <laughs> so I figure it out. And I, I'm quite an adventurer. And I don't mind working out something as I go along. I'm quite spontaneous. I'm like, you know, I'll just figure it out and take the risk. And what's the worst case scenario? If I die, I die kind of attitude. <laughs> and so I did. I left home. I came to Australia for the first time. It's the first country that I left Malaysia. I had no friends. My dad's friend had um, his family um, live here and he worked in um, Malaysia. Sorry. He introduced me to his family. I stayed there for about two weeks and then I just had to get rental property to move to somewhere. I didn't know there was such thing as rental agreement. I'll figure that out. I didn't know that I had to apply for electricity bill, water bill. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is what you do. You just figure it out. Like, you just make it happen because you're a student. And it was like, because my parents had never been educated overseas either. So they didn't know what to tell me. So I'm like, oh, okay, just go along. <laughs> so, so I did. Wow. What did you study? So you came out to study something. What, what was that? So I did commerce. You know, it's like in Malaysia, you only do three things. You're very smart. You do medicine. You're a boy. You do engineering. You're a girl. You do accounting. You only do studies because they put you into good jobs and you can feed your family and get a career so-called that looks great. Yep. that then it is a success for the family. Yep. <laughs> right. But you, <laughs> you, and you went, you went down that path, but then you sort of said, well, nah, I'm not going to continue on with that. But um, how did you manage though? Like it's because when you were still in that mindset, you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do commerce. I'm going to make my family proud you know I'm going to be successful and then you you got no friends like you, you how does how do you go about building like like learning the language you know and like you've got your rental and all that kind of stuff you still got to work that out as well and studying and trying to deal with the culture and by the way I don't know that it's a it's a great um, bonus moving to a white country I think white countries need a need a good bullet up their bum actually to stop being such you know snobs but um you know how do you adapt to like I know you say that you just you just do it but and were you fearful? Were you, you know, were you, were you, was there times when you thought, what have I done? You know, I just want to go home to my family. And so here's the couple of things. I always have enough money to buy a ticket home yep. if things doesn't work out. That's one, cash. I don't know. Somehow or other, that was something that was like, I have a thousand dollars. Worst case scenario, I go to the airport and I buy my ticket out home. So that was like my safety net. Yeah, yeah. Number two, I fear darkness. There was something in my um, earlier stage of my life that 
it was just very spiritual. I don't know what happened, but I fear darkness. And I always needed to sleep around something that has got light. So if the windows have got street lights, it's good. That was a huge part for me to overcome. I go, what's the worst? I, I'm here now. This dream is bigger than this darkness of fear that I had. And so I live at the front house where there's street lights because I don't like pitch dark. And it was something that I had to overcome. I don't know. It's still something that in a family table, sometimes they bring that up because they knew that that was a fear that gripped me very much when I was very young. And so I had to learn to overcome that. So I told myself, is it safe to call the police if I'm really afraid? Probably not. Maybe I can call the fire brigade. There's nothing to fix. Maybe you can call the hospital, but what can you do for me? So those things then helped me to really mature up, right? My vision was bigger than my fear. So I go like, this is how I'm going to overcome it. So it was, I mean, I have to say, growing up, there was a lot of fear, like fear of heights, you know, fear of um, just because in Malaysia, there was a lot of um, cultures that have got spiritual practices that are quite dark, so sometimes you hear those stories and it can be quite eerie. And so I feel that coming to Australia is a cleaner country. Like, you know, I read that it's an Australian country where it's Christian and safe and all that. So I'm like, maybe I'll go to a country where there's those, you know, safety in my view, in my thoughts, that was ideal. So that helped me overcome all sorts of bunch of fears that I had. And I think what also helped me overcome that unknown is I was asking for questions and I asked for help. So if I don't know anything, I will pick up the phone. Luckily, my uncle lived in Sydney. I was studying at the time in South Australia. So I had his number. And I'll just, you know, like, what do I do next? And he'll go, oh, you know, this is what you need to do. You need to go to the electricity um, office and apply for electricity. So I didn't know and had a good relationship with him then, but when I moved here, he became a lot of my support. Mm. So that helped me. And then I also asked for help. Sorry, I am like no Christian. Although we grew up in a Christian Catholic background, I went to a Methodist girls' school. I knew all those, you know, mass and all that. I knew that the safest thing I could do coming to a Christian country in Australia was to go to a church. And I went to South Australia, which is the, they call it the city of churches. <laughs> like, I just go to a church. They can protect me. <laughs> so, and from there, they, you know, they had communities, right? They always welcome overseas students. So I asked my help, I asked for questions and I had like going to church, someone from the local community would pick me up because it would take me two buses to go to church, for example. And that's how I built my community. <laughs> oh, this is so good because it brings me back to all those memories like 20 plus years. <laughs> that is fantastic though, because it's so much resilience and resourcefulness. And, and I think this is something that a lot of people lack is that they're too afraid to ask for help, you know, but... And I'll tell you what I love that you said in there. I love. I always say this, I love all of it because I just love these stories that come from people on the podcast. It's fantastic. But what you said, something that's really hit home, is my vision was bigger than my fear. And, and I, I think that that's, um, 
you know, we, we are paralysed by fear way too often and we don't fulfil our vision, you know, or, or we don't even try to try to do, go towards our vision because we're so stuck in fear. I absolutely, no, I absolutely love that. So then, it, then you got your job in um, corporate, but what, you know, how long were you in corporate before you said this sucks? I got to get out of here. How long, how long did that take you to bust that mould? So formally 20 years, but the desire already started around 2013-14. So I've always had the privilege of attending all these conferences, you know, people training, and then gradually in leadership, I then get the opportunity to hire speakers for our conferences and national conferences. And I used to just go... I can see myself on stage teaching as well. Like I have stories because they share their stories. I can share my stories, but I didn't have that platform, but I had that vision. And so I decided that I want to do an MBA and I wanted to do entrepreneurial management. Now, my GM at the time go, why? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I just specialize in entrepreneurial management, which I did. <laughs> and that was interesting because once I stepped into that, doors opened when I completed that accelerated MBA program. So under the ANZ business arm, there are other licensees that we issue a license to help people set up their practices. And so as soon as I completed my MBA, that door of opportunity came up, which then enabled me to practice still working in an umbrella of a NZ bank. But there were subsidiary groups that helped people set up business. Mm. And that's where my skills were translated. And then including my qualifications and all the years in you know, my own family business. And I'm like, this is exactly where I'm meant to be. So that's how it translated. And so... Over the years then, that was 2015. So I did that. And then other opportunities started to sprout for me. And I just translated that. And also in financial planning, it's really interesting that Westpac had an arm because you reach to an employee perspective and then there is a ceiling. But what if they want to create their own business structure? So under that license, they created an opportunity to set up your own business. So that's how all these entrepreneurial skills and knowledge I was able to apply. Because not a lot of people want to do that. A lot of people feel, and it's not right or wrong. It's, I believe that if you're called and your mission will direct your path to, and that was just leading me there because I put out my hands for those opportunities. And I go, yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. And so that just, yeah, endless door started to open, back door, front door, side door, window, whatever door. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then it was natural. So we had the Royal Commission in Australia in February 2019. All the banks decided to you know, either sell or shut down their arm. And I was with Westpac at the time and Westpac decided to shut down the whole license and sell part of the rest of the business to another licensee. So I was impacted. But that was 
the triggering point for me to start my own business name. So I went to register. It was like natural, right? So I registered that. And then part of me still wanted to buy a practice because I thought, look, you know, I could buy and invest and create a practice. So I worked for someone who can then help me create and buy a book to run a business. I thought about that, but I also thought about, do I want to stay with the financial planning world because I had been there for so long? And to a certain degree in Australia, it's very, very deeply ingrained in compliance. And I felt that my skills can expand beyond that. And so I did that and I go, I'm going to expand my skills beyond that. I did that for 20 plus years in the banking finance world. I can translate the practical skills I've seen. I've walked that path. I've walked that journey. I can share that with other business owners. So I did. And then I started, you know, coaching people in interior design space, in marketing space, in accounting space, in health wellness space, in photography space, in retreat space, in like, and then pandemic opened new doors for me. So I always, you and I are in, you know, the, the state that we have been uh, locked down for over a thousand days. In the lockdown, where I had only 55, five kilometers to move around and I have a curfew that I cannot go out after 8 p.m., I had guided by my spiritual team to do courses that I got to know people overseas. 15,000 kilometers from me in the United States. How interesting when I reflected on that the last few months, because I go, while I was so locked down, I was building up expansion network referral partners in the US, in the UK, in Europe, in South Africa. It was like, there is, such a blessing sometimes in the lockdown because if it's not for the lockdown either, it will not open such door for me because I'll be out there. I'm, I'm, I love being out there with people. So it, it's just such beauty in the pandemic that I took out of it. So yeah, it's been great. Well, there is so much in that. I, I, I so, so agree with you. And, you know, I did the same. You know, I expanded exponentially, you know, overseas and I was already doing work overseas, but the lockdown really started to pull that stuff together. But, you know, when you're talking about I'm a big believer I, in, in, in when I do get off the bench stuff, I say to people, you know, you, you need to know your vision and your vision can move, but you've got to go somewhere. You have to head somewhere. And once you've got something in your mind, you without getting into the whole neuroscience of it, your brain starts to look for opportunities that align with that, you know. And you, you, what you're saying is just so spot on with, with all of that, you know, that, that if we, I love how you're just like, oh, I could do that. Oh, I might do that. Yes, I'll do that. You know, and then everything starts to align for you. And I wish people could understand more and have more faith in the fact that that actually does happen. You know, once we we have a vision, we everything starts to everything, all the opportunities start to align. So I, I love that. And I love that you, you, you know, go, oh, I could do that, and I could do that, and I could do that. You're so optimistic and so um. Oh, I, I can't think of the word, and I damn, I'm kicking myself. I can't think of the word, but you're just you're just looking for those uh, those opportunities and going. I I could do that, and backing yourself. I, I love that, and you know you you 
one thing I want to talk about, which is which was the the shitty end of the deal. You did have a boyfriend um, over here and a fiance, should I say? And and um, part of that was you, you know when, that you broke up, and that was a, a, a shitty thing, and that sort of led you to healing your wounds, which is what's led you to part of what, what you. But I believe that he broke it off and said, you're not tall enough. Correct. <laughs> so he could not give me a decent reason. And I'm like, how out of the blue that, you know, we already agreed on the date and I was flying home to arrange for all the invitations, right? It's like, I'm not tall enough. I'm like, okay, then I'm not tall enough. But you know what? It took me three years because I did not confront the healing earlier. If I had my time back and I had my highest self telling me then what to do, I would go, you know what? Learn to really cut the relationship. Things like don't contact anymore. Don't go through all the texts. Don't go through all the photos. Don't keep the cards. Don't keep the, you know, whatever that you receive. It's my take. And it could be just my take. Some people prefer to be friends and you can. And for me, I dated a lot of guys. Relationship doesn't work. I enjoyed those moments. They brought me across, you know, another stage of life. They taught me something. There's always a new lesson. There's always something that we can learn from someone. And so I decided that, you know what, it took me three years to let go. And it's just three years of precious time when I look back at it now. But I didn't have anyone who could give me advice because I was hiding my emotions. I did not have the courage to confront my emotions. And because I grew up always in an environment that you don't go through pain, you don't express your emotions, you got to hide them and feel like you're fine. <laughs> and that is not the case to process a wound or go through healing. So by the time when I had processed that, windows of opportunities open up to meet someone else and you learn you you know grow up with someone yeah but you know in hindsight you know hindsight is always you know so good that that release gave me opportunities to you know move to different chapters and endless possibilities open up for different things in life so Yes, you know, for anyone listening to this, you know, there will be pain points in life. I guarantee you either it's a death, either it's a divorce, either it's a diagnosis, whatever it is. Don't let it hold you back. Process the grief. Have people surrounding you that can love you unconditionally. Give you the grace through that period, but don't hold that for years because you lose the potential you've got. You know, you lose all the gifts and talents that is already within you that the world needs. So process it, respect that season, but also then, you know, once you get out of that season, find new opportunities, hope for more, you know, look for spaces and places that you can meet more humans. Like there's 8 billion humans on this planet. So <laughs> there should <it> is. <laughs> there's quite a few people to meet then, isn't there? <laughs> I love it. And so, you know, one of the comments you make is that in your your stuff you've written, you know, is that while professionally I was thriving, my personal life was crumbling and you know it's um 
I love that you're talking about this openness of emotions because we're, we're terrible. Human beings are terrible at, well, we either go one way or the other. We go, poor me, and we spill our guts to everybody and we we try to drag everybody into our shit storm, you know, or we're kind of got the other angle where we're, oh, I'm okay, I'm tough, you know, I can get through this. And neither of those are, are bloody healthy or effective and, and I, I love what you're saying, and, and I've taken years to learn this, is to, to just be be honest and vulnerable about your emotions without being a victim. Do you, you know, just, just, just share it, say it as it is, um, deal with it and deal with it. That's the, the, the dealing with it. But uh, anyway, I love it. And, and I, you know, you, your wounds don't heal unless we deal with them. And I, and I love that you've shared that because I think a lot of people actually need to, to hear that and you don't function, you just don't function properly unless you're dealing with it. So, so I, I love that. Now, you have also written um, three books. Now, I'm going uh, to read them out now and you show them. Let's hold them up so that anyone watching the video can see. So Success Codes. <laughs> and I love that you love your codes, success codes. And then the second one is Uncensored, Untamed, Unleashed. There it is. And I love that they've they all got lines on them. Oh, and the next one is Prosperity Codes. Yes. And that's got a lion. What 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 are the other animals on those books? I only just realized as you were holding them. This up. is a jaguar. Jaguar, yeah. Yeah. But this is just, you know. A woman, woman who has got a future to redefine her success. Yeah, I love those books. And Ed, what, what's your um, fascination with codes? Is it because of your finance background? Because <laughs> one thing about codes is we all individually have our own codes. So at the start of we have got our thumbprint, that's the code of us. Nobody on this planet have the same thumbprint. So that is your identity code, yeah. right? Like that's the one code. Your eye pupil is one code that nobody has on the planet. So you are coded already. There'll be millions and billions of people surpassing us in the generations to come, but they will not have that. So there is a creator out there who has created us, wired us in our mother's womb that created that code. And I feel that it's so important for us to return to our authentic code. Because every human born on this planet, and this is my firm belief, that we have wired and we have come for a season, for a reason. And unless we utilize that code and not live on other people's code. So there are people who want us to live their codes because they feel safe and they want to control us. And we have to take our power back. Mm. We also need to learn not to compete with us and sorry, compete with others because competition is not going to get us anywhere. The world wants us to compete that way. I was very much in a sales environment for a while and my managers use competition as a way for us to get more results. Now I had to do some healing to clean that because that is not ideal. And also it's so important that, you know what, when we doubt ourselves is we is because we don't understand our own codes. Sorry, you know, Karen, you are accredited, you are advanced in EDIS profiling, and you know that all of us have got our own dominance, you know, our own stability, our own operational side, and our own flamboyant side. If we study that deeper and we own that, right, and we trust that others will play their part, then the world will hum 
the whole world is going through confusion, um, comparisonitis, and conflict. It's because the world is not playing their part. If everyone's playing their part, the world will harm. There'll be more peace. There'll be more clarity. So I invite, even if it's a small starting point for our listeners, start identifying what is your uniqueness. Like what is so unique about you? Because if you are living in that every single day, you will have so much inner peace beyond what the world is trying to disrupt you in. So it is a daily practice. It is a daily inside job that nobody can stand in to do it for you. And so do that for yourself because the more you care about who you are, the more you can give out of a deeper self-love. We have been you know, constantly asked to give more and we want to give more. But sometimes if we give out of a cup that is not filled, we give residuals. So feeling your own mark, you know, feeling it to the overflow by doing things that care, sleep, eat well, nourish your body, body movement, meditate on good things, look for opportunities to serve others from a place of kindness and generosity and serve out of graciousness, it will make such a big difference. And those things are the things that the world needs right now. So that's my invitation. I absolutely love that. And I I see it like as if we're a little LED light, you know, and, and the globe is filled with with eight million, eight billion LED lights, and most of them are out or, or very, very dull, you know, and, and I always imagine it like you've got your own unique color. And and if we switch our light on and we truly stand into ourselves and we shine as bright as we can. Even 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 when we doubt ourselves, you know, just kind of just shine your light simply because that's your light and just bloody shine it and go for it. Can you imagine how incredible, the, you know, earth would look with all these brilliant shining lights? Do you know, we, it would just be, it, it would just, I'd be magic. I can't even, yeah. I get excited when I think about that. And, the, the, you know, we, we, we often... Comparison and expectation, you know, com- completely bloody uh, throw us off what we are. And I, I believe in, in, and you'll love this, I believe we're all born with this magnificent diamond, you know, sitting just in our in our throat chakra, between our throat chakra and our, our heart chakra. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful diamond. But as we do things, you know, uh, we, when we're born, everyone's like, oh, baby the baby you know you're everybody's world so your diamond's like magnificent but then as you start to you start to walk and you touch the tv and smack you on the hand don't touch do you know sit sit down so you get celebrated when you start walking but then you go to school and they say sit down and then when you say mommy daddy whatever you say everyone's yay and then you go to school and they say shut up You, you know so it's just like it's my godfather what am I supposed to do so this kid who's the center of everything suddenly gets shut down everywhere and I and I think that every time you know somebody says like at kinder oh my mum says your mum's ugly and I don't want to play with you and your your hair doesn't look pretty and I I don't know all the things that you know goes on at, at, at kinder it's kind of like this muck gets put onto this diamond you know and because we don't have the skills or the, the knowledge, the understanding, you know, the, the strategies, we don't have anything. We, we let that 
gunk sit on there? Do you, you know? And eventually there's no diamond to shine. Well, the, the diamond's still there, but it doesn't shine anymore. And we don't ever stop um, and do that reflective work to say, wait, I've got a diamond in here. I'm special. I'm unique. I'm magnificent because we now believe that we're not and we now believe that there's nothing great about us. So we start comparing ourselves to other people's A games and then we're not good enough and we're all guilty of it, but it's whether whether we stop and say, no, I don't accept that and we start scrubbing that damn diamond again, you know, and saying, no, I'm going to shine as bright as I can. So we're both saying the same thing but in a different way, but it's I just love that and I love that your books and I know you're you're writing another one um, now, a fourth one now, and you've got another one planned. And you know these, I just I just love it. I love the whole code things. I love that you're saying that just unleash this magnificence within you. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love it. See, I can't stop talking about this shit because it's suddenly I've just taken over your podcast because I just love this stuff. And, and this is so fun but this is what exactly a lot of people don't get the opportunity to hear it's because they hear things from the radio they hear things from the media they read things about someone else but what i'm inviting is find out more about you this is your opportunity to find out more about you because we always want to read about someone else's you know story follow someone the kardashians or whatever <laughs> yeah find out about you you are the diamond like you know the diamond in the rough sometimes we are rough and we just needed the edges and that you know cutting or we need that polishing even the best diamonds right needs a polish right so we are all that and that's what we need to do more and more and help others you know how can we help others shine and polish their own shapes you know so and I think that's one of the quickest ways to alleviate yourself of problems or to feel better about yourself or to make or to help you heal is that the, the quickest way you can do that is to serve others you know and to, to support others and I love that you're talking about kindness too like it, you know it costs nothing to put kindness out into the world and the the benefits you receive and others receive and the planet receives and the energy receives and the ripple effect, why, why, the, why the hell won't we do it? You know, so I hope people listening to this and start thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, what is it about me? And, and I agree with you. There's not one other person on the planet that has our code, not, not, not one other person. And Yes, I do DISC and all that, you know, and there's the four types, and but there's not one person that has the exact same percentages of each of the types, do, you know, and we, we are such, so we, we shouldn't generalise, we shouldn't go, oh, we, you're an I type and that's your this, but because we're not that. We're so, so, um, such a unique uh, combination, you know, that it, it's marvellous, but but and with that disc too, I know of people who uh, use it against people. It's kind of like, oh, well, you're a D, you're very aggressive, you know. And I, I don't use it like that. I use it absolutely to celebrate. Well, oh, what is it about this D type that we can celebrate? How fantastic! And we need all these types, and and even after disc or outside disc, you know, the, we need every little unique bit 
of every single person to be switched on. Jocelyn, I'm loving this bloody conversation. We could go on for hours. I could go down I a, know. Rabbit, <laughs> a rabbit I'll hole. I'll tell you one thing about yeah. my disc drama. So in NZ, we use disc. And at that point in time, I was in a national role whereby I was running the legislation that I need to roll out. So when you work with people from a legal governance side, they operate very differently. And we invited a company to come in and do a massive full day, you know, team activity day. And so when I was like, you know, categorized like stand at the corner of your blue, stand at the corner of your green, stand at the corner of your red, stand at the corner of your orange, um, yellow, I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, now I know why all those people are there because I go into the office, I would be like, good morning. <laughs> so I quickly learned that I am because majority of my life when I was in uni I worked for retail so you know like um, fashion companies that sell clothes so you know you got to be people person so that was my natural um, coat and so when I worked that role it was a huge learning curve for me to work with people who needed structure I need you to tell me step one step two step three step four I need you to tell me this spreadsheet <laughs> I, I had to learn and, and that was really good as well because it expanded my skill set because I am dominant and um, I'm also very flamboyant in that sense. So the influencer part, but working with those people then helped me run a mega project like that. So it's understanding, you know, where they fit in and then learning to communicate in a way that they get us. So yeah. it's just yeah. such a win-win if we use that tool properly to help us yeah. enhance their communication skills. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I agree. I, I use it for with organisations to build relationships and to improve interactions, you know, and to, to celebrate and to say that every single person is, is, is a part of the jigsaw puzzle. They're not they're not competitors. They're not pains in the asses. We're all part of the jigsaw puzzle, for God's sake. Love each other, you know. But uh, I just, anyway, we could talk about that forever. Now, you started your, your business. It's called Seed to Sequoia. Is that, am I saying that right? Seed to Sequoia? Yes, yeah. perfect. And, and it's a it's a the sequoia is a tree. So tell, tell us about that because I'm fascinated by that. It's, so I had this vision that everything we start in life is a seed. Well, as the start, we human beings start off like a seed, a mom in the wound, and not that, the swimming sperm, then a seed. Tomatoes have seeds, apple have seeds, everything have a seed, a seed thought, right? Someone said something to you and then you entertain that, that's in the seed of the garden of your thoughts. So what I wanted my company name is to start with seeds. And what you do with seeds is you will grow. But when you grow, there will be weeds. And what you do with those weeds, you need to know how to groom those beautiful plants that you are nurturing, flourishing, and helping it grow. But when the weeds come, you know when to uproot it in a way that doesn't hurt this big plant to grow successfully. And over time, I want that plant to continue to thrive. My vision is that, you know, from a money perspective, we thought, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. But if you think about it, every plant that we eat from convert into money. <laughs> if you think about it, 
money grow on trees? If not, how do we, you know, sell plants and, you know, have watermelons or, you know, broncolini or whatever? So sequoia is the largest tree in the world in the Amazon forest that lasts generations to come. And so I will be here for such a time as this. And one day I will leave this planet. But I hope that what I saw, someone will carry it on. So books is one of the ways that I want to leave my legacy. You know, my podcast, I believe, because podcast is a way that I share my story. But I hope that this podcast is going to flow into countries that I will not be able to go into. Corners of the world cannot go into, but Wi-Fi can go into. <laughs> so I always think that Wi-Fi can just help me spread the word. <laughs> so that is just, you know, the vision and the mission of why I named my company that way. I love that. I so agree with you. Everything starts as a seed. You gotta, you water it. You've got to water those, buddy. You have to water the plants. I love it. I love it. Now you've talked about your podcast. It's called Cash Flow is Confidence. How important is cash flow to our confidence? So it was cash flow and confidence for until 2020 and had this vision. And I went through my own personal journey. So if you listen to all my previous episodes, it was cash flow is confidence because at that journey, I really wanted people to think cash flows will help you confidently to do more and serve humanity. Without money, we are not able to serve more people. So that was the vision of that season of my podcast. And then I had this name, Magnetic Abundance, for a year, it was birthing in me. And so February 2022, I decided to rebrand. So you still hear the rest of the episodes, but you know the rebranding is about magnetism and abundance. And so the depth of it is very much around everyone has got a story. And rather than the world trying to push you into a corner, make you small, help you become someone else, not you, I choose the title so that you are encouraging you to be who you are, that your magnetism will attract, that when you are there, you draw people. It's like, you know, the example that you used just now, the light, right? Everyone has got that light between our throat chakra and our heart chakra. If you have that light, you will see. Try this. You know, your phone has got... um, a torch, right? If you light that anywhere, you see that anywhere. So think about you as a light, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever age, whatever size, whatever shape you are, you are a light to the world. And so magnetic abundance is helping you be the magnet to the right people in your world. We will need different parts of the world to function. So you attract the right people in different space, industry, you know, categories, whatever maybe, and just have that abundance of enjoying that. Yeah. We can technically be surrounded by 150 people at any one point in time because of the degrees of separation. 
So think about it, if we have that, you know, small groups and over season we build and we release other people and then we connect with other people, it's just the cycle of life. So that is magnetic abundance. I love that. I love it. And you are, you, you are attracted. It's like a magnet. When people are authentic, you can feel it, you know, and, and you are attracted to it. So oh, I love, I absolutely love that. Now, um, I'm going to ask you one question. How do we overcome negative money beliefs? So number one is to recognize that there is that negative money beliefs in you because our ego will tell us that is not. So here's what I had to really, really watch my thoughts. So I grew up in an environment in Malaysia that money for rich people is corrupted. They always have to do something hurtful to someone to create their wealth. And so that energy was really around me, but I did not really acknowledge that for a while. So it carried in me for many decades of my life. And I had to, it um, came into a place where I go, that is actually a block in my world. And that I need to work to unlock it. So for me, I used the tool hypnotherapy to unlock that, right? To go, that was a money energy that really blocked me. If I think that I want to be wealthy and I think that wealthy people are corrupted and I'm not, I don't want to make, I'm happily to pay my taxes. I want to earn my money. I want to be super wealthy and be ethical. So that was something that I had to unlock myself. Number one is growing up, you know, people always think that rich people are bad people. You know, the Bible says if you're rich, you're evil. Those subtle money belief system that really, really floats around or they appear like cobwebs at your house it's like it's not going to interrupt you but it's just cobwebs there it's like wired there those are the cobwebs in my thoughts that I had to clean yeah so that was another one for me that if I don't love rich people for who they are and I value them and when they drive a Bentley past me or they you know live in a 30 million dollar house in Sorrento how can then when I'm wealthy, the energetic match will be such a mismatch, I will not attract that. And so I need to do my inner work. Now, everyone has got different upbringing, different money beliefs. So my invitation is to recognize and question your own thoughts around money. So a few examples I had worked with my clients is her dad has told her she's not good in maths. So she's like, I struggle to work with my accountant. That could be as simple as that. Someone who goes, you know what, save for rainy day. So they save so much on rainy day that when you save too much, you don't invest in hiring the best people as an entrepreneur because you want to save. So you want to buy the best thing with the least money. Well, you know, the energetic match doesn't come across. So things like that as a business owner, we have to watch that. New level, new devil. So deal with that as you come along and get help, right? There's so many modalities that we can unlock and clean up and it is an ongoing work. It is not a set and forget and you, you've got it all. So just take the time, <clears throat> recognize one at a time and in due course, you know, you will always live a flourishing life when you choose to do that. 
Yep. Oh, I love that. I love that advice. And um, people can also work with you or read one of your books or all of your books. So there's there's that option as well. But Jocelyn, I absolutely love this, love this chat. And you just, um, you know, I love your energy and I love your, your optimism. I love your resilience and your resourcefulness. And I just love your take on humanity, Do you, you know, and it's um, because you, you're still acknowledging some of the shit, but you're not letting it drag you down and you're, and you're looking for positive opportunities and you're looking for the hope and you're looking for the you know the 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 genuineness and authenticity in the world and I I I love it I love it so much so now other people are going to be listening to this and say I love that where can people find you come and connect with me on Instagram so it's underscore Jocelyn Chong underscore yeah or come to my website you know if you go into the show notes that Karen put together download the gift that I've got in the show notes. It's an ebook. So that way you're on my email list. I only send emails when I feel it's going to be resourceful for you. I don't want to flood your inbox. I'm on the other side. I don't want people to flood my inbox with things just because they have to. So I just want to share something that can add value to someone and help them, you know, offer a tip, offer a technique, offer something that I had overcome. So that is how you can connect with me. So grab that ebook or grab my books and that's how you can connect with me. Fantastic. And your uh, website is jocelynchong.com.au. And absolutely, I will have that in the show notes and I'll have the uh, link to the free ebook. And I so appreciate you offering that too. That it's amazing. And thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're most welcome. It's been a, such a delightful conversation, more so soulful conversation, right? Yep. Because, you know, in life, I want to really acknowledge that we do have our shit and we need to get our shit out of our system by working on us. So that's important. And you will always be good. So Karen, thank you so much for the great work that you're doing on this planet. And, you know, you have got so much energy yourself, the work that you do in your podcast, the books that you write, the leadership training and programs that you offer to the world. Keep doing that. The world needs all of us. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate all that, those lovely comments. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me. And I, you know, I, I, I can't wait to, I don't know, I can't wait to meet you one day and in person. That would just be wonderful. So, yes. so yeah, so we will. <laughs> I say that to everybody. I don't know how I'm ever going to fit everybody in, but I just, I, I love these conversations. And people say to me, why do you do a podcast? And, and I'm like, well, one, I want to share information. You know, I, I really want to get positive stuff out into the world. People believe in themselves and listen to these stories and then say, gee, if she can, maybe I can. But the second part to that is probably selfish, is that I love speaking to and meeting great people. Do you, you know, and I, it's, such a blessing to spend an hour with great people. So, uh, you know, and to meet them in person, that's just an added bloody bonus, bit of icing on the cupcake. It's fantastic. So anyway, but, but thank you so much, Jocelyn. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Oh, guys, that was great. And I tell you what, I love that end bit about what Jocelyn was sharing about um, the fact that we've all got money blocks. Well, most of us have anyway. And, and to really start questioning it and something I've been working on too a lot lately is really questioning what do I believe about money and and 
even just being conscious of it has shifted a lot of things for me. So I think it's something that's really important. I love her talking about the, the sequoia tree and how it how everything starts from a seed. And well, my God, that was a great conversation. I, you know, follow Jocelyn. So uh, jocelynchong.com.au. Uh, follow her on Instagram, Facebook. Um, connect with her on LinkedIn, same name. And also uh, there's her three books that I reckon they would be incredibly helpful. Plus, if you check in the show notes, there's the, a link to her ebook. So I hope you've loved this. I love these stories where, you know, you can really connect with the person behind the scenes. And I, I don't know, I, I've really thoroughly enjoyed today and it was quite a lot of spiritual stuff in there as well. So I hope you've got something out of it. And I really hope it's triggered some thoughts for you to believe in your magnificence. Because if we sit in our authentic space and shine our light, my God, that is what the world needs. And, and imagine us all turning our lights on and the world coming to life. That's what we need. So I hope you've enjoyed today. And I have. And it's been, as I said, I do the podcast for selfish reasons as well, because I get to have so many fantastic conversations. But I really hope you're getting something out of it as well. So anyway, again, thank you so much for joining me this week. And I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode, just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.